Deuteronomy chapter 11. I want to kind of continue tonight off of this morning because I didn't get to finish reading some, some important verses. And I thought about talking a little bit about the benefits of committing to church. Some of the stuff that, that we get back. Let's be honest tonight. As human beings, we like to know what we're getting out of a deal. Right? You ever sign a deal? You ever buy a car, buy a house, get a job, whatever? You want to know what the, what the stipulations are. You say, okay, I'm going to come to work for you. You're going to pay me $12 an hour. That's a stipulation. You, you, you're offering services and you're saying, what, what, I, what do I get back out of it? Now, of course, our right attitude is we're not serving God for anything. But the great thing about serving God is he gives back. He's a giving God. He's a blessing God. And there's so many benefits that we get out of coming to church. And I think that, you know, the saying says your attitude determines your altitude. So our attitude towards church has a lot to do with what we get out of it. If you begin to have that attitude of, you know what, I'm excited to go to church. I, I, I know God's going to speak to me tonight. I know God's going to speak to me this morning. I know God's going to talk to me personally. He's going to minister to an area of my life. He's going he's to heal me. I'm going to feel his presence. If you come with that attitude, you're going to leave with, with a blessing from God no matter what's preached. Because you're expecting God to move. Amen? And I want to talk about some benefits. But, you know, when you begin to, to, to say, God... And many of you do, and most of you do, actually, that are here tonight as we're going into a Sunday night uh, service and you're here back on a Sunday night. We understand the importance of coming to church. That's why we're here. And, we, and we've, we've been around long enough, whether you've been saved a year or 20 years or 50 years, to realize I need church. I need to be in fellowship with other believers. I need to be around. I really wanted to just kind of mention again tonight what I was talking about this morning, that mentality of when you see somebody who, who is an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever they are, they frequent places of what they're going after. And if a true believer, think about that today. My dad used to mention this. My dad was raised in the food business. And some of us ate in that business on the way to, to Colorado at First Cafeterias. Maybe you've eaten that here in the Metroplex. If you haven't, there's one in Garland and there's one in Arlington. I'd suggest you go. And in that great uh, restaurant, it's been around for 60 years. And in, in, in the food business, my dad used to say, or my papa used to say, who was a manager for many years, if the church operated like, the, like, uh, like a, a business, or sorry, if the, if the church was open like a, a, a restaurant was, as, as much today as it was back then, if they were only open once a week, how would a business stay open? And today you've got multi-million dollar complexes, which we do not have, amen? Big, big facilities. I'm talking amazing, state-of-the-art, million-dollar facilities that are open one Sunday morning and maybe a Saturday night a week. And the rest of the week they're closed. And nobody's there. And I think that the church should be used. Amen? We should have events going on. And, and we are trying to keep you busy so that you'll stay out of trouble. How many know we can get into trouble real easy? And if we're reaching people who are difficult, that means we have addictive personalities and we just want to go do crazy stuff. And so we try to keep you in church as much as we can. And the people like, for example, our, our, our fellowship was birthed out of what was called the Jesus movement. It was the hippie movement. And they all had long hair and they were saying peace and they were smoking weed and they were doing all kinds of crazy, doing lots of rock music. And they got saved in that 
And when those hippies started getting saved, they, they, they would go to the bar every night. They'd go out and party every night. And when they got saved and they knew they couldn't party anymore, they said, man, we got to have a place for these hippies to go. And they'd open up a Friday, a Friday night or a Saturday night uh, scene for music, and they'd have music. Then they, that's why they started doing Breakaway. Then they started doing Fire Starters, where they would have uh, groups meeting in their houses. And they were trying to make all these events happen so that these people would stay out of trouble. And, and isn't it funny how sometimes when we get saved and we begin to change for God, we don't really realize that we are creatures of habit? And so if we partied all the time or went out all the time or did things all the time before we got saved and now we're saved and, and my church is only open for 45 minutes on a Sunday morning, what do I do all the rest of the week? Get in trouble. Amen. How many are thankful we have opportunities to get here more than once a week? Amen. And be in the word more than once a week. And so church is important. And we know that we said this Wednesday night, we're not even living up to as busy as we stay to the church of Acts. Bible says they met together daily and people were saved daily in the church. And so we want to continue to try to be as much like the book of Acts as we can. But God says, if you'll just say and make a decision in your heart, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to make a commitment to God. I'm going to I'm going to be there every time the doors are open. I want to kind of let me just read this. real quick. No, I got, I got to say this real quick. I know I keep telling you, look at Deuteronomy 11, but. I, 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 I know that in this church there's so many faithful couples, faithful people. And I'm going to tell, tell a story about Paul and Brenda real quick. They won't mind. As we're talking about church. Because they probably told most people anyways. They, they are, how many know, believe Paul and Brenda are an awesome couple, man? Awesome people, amen? Everybody loves Paul and Brenda. We're so thankful. They're super faithful, amen? But when they first started coming, they had come from the big church. They were looking. She already knows where I'm going. They were looking for uh, a, a place to belong. I think there's a lot of people out there like that, that are saved, and they believe in God, but the church they're going to is big, and a lot of people, and they don't have a whole lot to do. They can't get involved because there's so many people, and they're looking for some place they can get involved. And so that was them. They loved God, and they came from a big church. We, we were able to meet a need for Brenda when she came five, almost five years ago now. And her brother had, was in the hospital. Remember her coming by? Me and my dad were painting the floor, and she was hurting. And she came in and talked to us, and I remember standing right there in that entryway talking to her, and she began to tell me about her brother who had fallen in Costa Rica and hit his head and gone into a vegetative state and was at the hospital at Presbyterian and was with hardly any hope to live, in a fetal position, bad situation. And I remember her just pouring out her heart to us, and she was hurting, and she didn't have anybody to talk to. She was going back and forth. With, she, has a, she had a business with her husband. They, had, they were busy. You know she's busy if you know her. Amen. And she's running back and forth between that business, going every day to see her brother at that hospital. And she's hurting, and we start talking, and she starts telling me what happened. I said, you'll never believe that I lived in Costa Rica. I, you'll never believe my brother's name is Brad, same name. We just started talking. It was just one thing after another. And then I did something I don't ever do. She, said, she kept talking. I said, do you go to church? And she said, yes, I do. I, I don't remember if she told me where it was, but I think she said it, it's, it's a big church, and I'm not really involved. And I said, I don't usually do this. I said, but you need a family. I said, you need a family. You need someone to love on you. 
And that, that God just allowed us to meet a need. The following day, we went to the hospital, and I met Brad. We prayed with him and everything. And that Sunday, she came with Paul, and they've never left since. Amen. They've been here ever since. But I said all that to say this. There was a time when they began to come in, and they were used to the old way of just going to church on Sunday morning. And that's kind of the way it is. And I remember uh, one night, I got a text or a call from them about 6 o'clock, and they said, hey, we're at the movies. <laughs> and I don't remember what I said. Paul could probably tell you better. I said, why are you at the movies, basically? I don't know. Why aren't you at church? And that's just my, that's my job. Amen? Why aren't you at church? And there's nothing wrong with going to the movies. But you know what they did? The spirit of conviction hit them. I don't think it was me. They were at the movies. Were you in it? At the parking lot. The spirit of conviction hit them, and they left the movies and came to church. They came back to church, amen, and they realized we need to be at church because I said you can go to the movies after church. But I'm using that as an example because God doesn't want us to not have fun, and God doesn't want us to not fellowship, and God doesn't want us to have, not have a life. But he says, build your life around me. Today we have a church generation that builds, wants their life, for God, wants God to build their, him around their lives. And they say, okay, God, I got this, 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 and this, and this going on, and then I'm going to put you in this space right here. And as long as you don't mess with this space right here, we're good. But don't ask me to come over here or don't ask me to go over there. And here we are telling God how to do things. Right? We shouldn't be doing that. And so I think that if you would really stop and do an examination of your life, you would realize that if, as you have come in and began to be challenged to come to church, every time the doors are open, there are times you don't feel like coming. There are times that you're tired. There's times that you are going through things. But if you look back and say, you know what, I made the decision to come. I made the choice to get there. You always, I, most of the time, 95% of the time, you look back and say, I'm glad I went and made the decision to be there. Now, what happens when you do that, when you begin to put church as a priority, is, is God begins to see that he's first. Because it's easy. How many know talk is cheap? It is so easy to say, I love God. It is so easy. And I, and I gave that example this morning with my wife. And, and you and your family, there's a lot of stuff you can say. But actions speak louder than words. And there's something being established Every time you get in your car, in your house or apartment, and drive to the church, you're establishing something to the devil every time you come to church. You're telling him, I'm not going to miss church because church is a priority to me. It's not the religious situation or setup of church. It's the principle of understanding that God is first. His house is first. His time is first. The day of the Lord is first. My first fruits are first. Everything I have is God's first. How many get what I'm saying? There's a principle that I'm establishing to myself, and I'm establishing to my kids, and I'm establishing to my neighbors, and I'm establishing to my coworkers. They know I go to church. Okay? Now, another thing that happens out of that, in, in, in verse, let's look at this real quick. In verse uh, 16, we'll, we'll lead off, and then we're going to get... In a second, to about children. If I don't, when I get to children, to when I begin to talk about children, and I read that verse, shout out, raise up your children. Okay, please. So I remember something. Somebody or all of you at once. Okay, when we get done, shout out, 
or raise up your children, okay? Please help me. I got a thought and I can't lose it. Okay, verse 16. We left off here this morning. Take heed to yourselves, Deuteronomy 11, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. How many know it's hard to do that when you're in church? Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you and he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain. And the land yield no produce. And you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. And bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Six, or 19. You shall teach them to your children. Speaking of them, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Say it to me now. Train up your children. Raise up your children. Whatever I said for you to say. Amen. Proverbs 22.6 is a powerful verse that says, Train up your child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a promise. The problem is, I, I talked about this this morning, and I was thinking about this this afternoon. I, I mentioned that a lot of the guys I run into playing basketball mentioned they were raised in church. Okay? They were raised by a grandma, raised, uh, taken to church by their family maybe. Most of the time it was a grandma. It was some family member who realized, man, my kids aren't taking to church. Well, I'm going to take them to church. And they were raised in church. Or maybe their family did take them. And I thought to myself, why is it that so many of them aren't in church today? What's the reason? Obviously, there's many. And, and there's many of them that are real and, and, and justifiable and all those things. But I thought, you know what I think the greatest answer is? Most likely, the people who were taking them to church weren't living the life that they needed to live. Think about that. Why would they stray off? And I, and I see that so many times in, in, in organized church, just, just, just going. They, people do a good job of saying, hey, we're going to church. But if you don't live the life that you're teaching your kids at home, then you are the biggest hypocrite in the world. And the Bible, the people say the church is full of hypocrites. And a lot of times it's the parents. Because we, we have one part right, which is let's get them to church. But some reason, sometimes, for some reason, sometimes we think, well, if I get them to church, well, the Sunday school teacher is going to raise them. Or the ushers are going to take care of them. Or somebody else is going to speak into their lives. And that's all good. Thank God for the Sunday school teacher. Thank God for the, the, the village of people here that we can help raise the kids together and, and do this together. But if they go home and they hear and see and watch a different example that what you're telling them at church, they're not going to stay in church. They're going to get off and they're going to go do their own thing. And so there's, there's something about teaching your children. And it says, speak, watch this, speaking of them when you sit in your house. Notice it didn't say at church. We do need to take them to church. And there's, a, there's an established thing there. But you need to teach them at home. You need to have conversations with them. They need to know they can come to you and talk to you about anything. And they need to see that you live the life you preach 24 hours a day, seven days a week in every situation. Not perfect, but striving for perfection. 
The greatest thing you can do, I look at this new family tonight with their, with their children there. I think that their children, maybe it's not, but they are children. They're somebody's children. Amen. Are they yours? Okay. One of the most beautiful things in the world is to sit and see a family. Amen. Of course, we get a great example of that with the Gregories. They take up a whole row. But there's a beautiful thing to see a family come to church together. Because something is being established in them for their life. But think about it on the, on the contrary. If you go through a valley of your life and you begin to, to, to doubt God or you begin to not realize the importance of going to church, then you begin to put other things more important in church. And guess what? Your, parent, your kids are watching that. When some situation comes about, when some hobby comes about, when some activity comes about, when something shows up, as the devil will always show something up, the choice comes and your kids are watching you like this. They don't tell you I'm watching you, but they're watching you. And they're, gonna, they're thinking, hmm, let's see what mommy and daddy do here. And when they see you say, we're going to church, there's a check in their mind and something is established and they go, church must be important. I'm going to get me. They're watching. I see people come in a lot, come in all the time, come, go, come, go, come, go. We all do. People come and go, come and go. And they don't understand the importance. They talk about, I mean, I've seen people get all gung-ho just recently. People get gung-ho. I'm coming to church. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to get involved. And then I get a text or I get a call. And, hey, I, I can't make it. I'm at my son's game. Or, hey, I can't. It's great to go to their games. It's great to support them. But you've got to somewhere along the line make a priority. Because games will always come up. Hobbies will always come up. Movies will always come up. Situations will always come up. They'll always be there. You have to make a way. That's what I was saying this morning. My daughters have never even asked, can we miss church? They know it's not an option. They know that those are days that are God's days, the services and all those things. They don't even ask. Amen. It's just one of those things you're teaching your kids. And it's not religion. It is relationship. But relationship needs structure. If you don't have a, in your marriage a, a time of saying, hey, we need to have a date night. Hey, we need to go out and be together. We need to spend some time together. If you don't do those things, you can love each other all you want. But you need some structure. You need an organized time together. And God knows that because he made us. And he even made us in his image. And one of the craziest things is people don't understand the benefits of church. They think, well, i got to go to church. Yet God established church. And God knows us better than we know ourselves. And if he says we should go to church, he must know what he's talking about. Amen? Let me read a few more verses. This is awesome. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That your days, watch this, and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. Amen? Children, you're raising your children up. Another family that I can brag on this morning, tonight is the Ayalas. They have four kids. They're always here. I can name on one hand how many times they've missed church since they've started coming here. They're always here. Amen? They may be mad at their kids when they come in sometimes, but they're always here. Amen? They're, they are establishing something to their children. Their children know we go to church. Wow. 
No matter how we feel, doesn't matter how much money we've got, doesn't matter what the situation is, we're going to church. Amen. Robert's mom taught that to him. He went off his own way and he got to a place where he realized, I need church. They came in, got saved, gave their lives to the Lord. And now they realize we, we need to be in church and my kids need to see us in church. They need to know that this is important. Amen. And you know what? That with those four kids, they're never late either. They're always here early. Amen. I'm just saying it can be done. Because there's something inside of their mind, and, and Paul and Brenda's and all of us here, the people that are making it, they say, hey, church is not an option. Church is number one. i got to be there. And, and, and you'll see the blessing of God in your life when you do that. Amen? So continue with me. Where were we? 22. Here's the if from God. For if you carefully keep all these commandments. Here comes an awesome promise which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to hold fast to Him. Look what he says. Then the Lord will drive out all the nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river to the river Euphrates, even to the western sea, shall be your territory. Watch this. No man, say no man, shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will put the dread, I like this, put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread, just as he has said to you. Amen. How many know that if you, have, if you establish in your heart, I am going to the house of the Lord, God is going to go before you. And God is going to raise up a standard against the enemy. Amen. I'm telling you from experience personally. I'm telling you from watching and admiring the people in our home church now for almost 15 years. And just watching them go and go and go and go. We have a saying in our church, if you haven't heard it yet, and our fellowship, we're going to rest when we get to heaven. Can you say amen? Let's work while there's time. Let's get busy. Let's stay busy. Let's be in church. Let's come together. Let's fellowship. Amen? And then he says, watch this, verse 26. Let's close up with this tonight. Behold, I set to you before you today a blessing and a curse. I set before you a blessing and a curse. You think God wants to curse anybody? Nope. But the curse is there. Why? Let's see. The blessing, if what? If you obey. The commandments, remember we went over the commandments this morning, the Ten Commandments, of which one of them is go to church. Keep the Sabbath holy. Amen? Obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And then it says, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn away from them from whichever I command you today, and go after God's, which you have not known. Have you ever, how many watch people? How many people watchers? I'm a people part. I'm a people. I watch people. I watch patterns. I watch situations. I watch reactions. And as a pastor, I do that a lot. I watch. And, I, and I'm amazed sometimes. How many know it's the, one of the hardest things about ministry 
is knowing the answer for somebody else and not being able to give it to them because God's got to give it to them and they got to have the light bulb come on. But I've seen people over the years and I just, I, I would watch them and I, and I would just see them just do so well. And they were in church. They were at church. They were faithful. They were committed. And I saw them flourish. I saw their kids do well. I saw them happy. I saw their marriage good. And then somewhere along the line, they began to just slowly fade out. Didn't see church quite as important as it was or needed to be. And then I began to see their life out of church. And it was different. It wasn't blessed. It wasn't happy. The marriage wasn't good. The kids weren't happy. People that go to church and commit to God and commit to the house are happy. Amen? I'm not saying not all the time. There are, of course there's times we have struggles. But I'm talking in general. If you look back on a life. Some of us just, again, went to Colorado. And we were around all these people from the home church. Some of them stayed with people from the home church. Some have been around a long time. Some are newer. Rich, Rich, Richard Richardson has been in that church for 35 years. I don't know how old he is. 50? Where's Kristen? 50? Maybe 50. Most of his life. And Mitch Grice, guy that does the, the bass, makes all those funny faces. Amen. Hope he's not listening. <laughs> Amen. And I could go on and on. The Watkins, who just lost their daughter. You want, you want to talk about what church does? A, church, a family loses their, own, their, their only daughter at 29. And they're there the next service, serving. We were just there just a few weeks after they died, after she died. And all their kids were serving. Ushers, she's the choir director. They're there in their church family. Because that's all they know. Amen? Because that place has been a place of refuge for them. There's a benefit of having, I, I, I know tonight I could give the mic to all kinds of people and you'd testify tonight of how many times you've been down, you've been struggling, you've, you've been discouraged and someone in the church lifted you up. You had someone you could call and sit down with. You came to church and you felt bad and you got around other people and you felt blessed because you know there's a family. How many know tonight you've got a family here that'll stick with you, amen, and stand by you in your hard times? You can't get that with a lone ranger mentality. Amen. You can't get that in a place where you don't know anybody. You need church, and church needs you. And that's why we're, we're talking tonight about the, the, the blessing of obeying God's commands. You know, sometimes you can be blessed just by doing what's right and continuing to do what's right. I'm kind of talking you, to you again tonight from my heart. I'm giving you some scriptures, but I'm, I'm just hoping that that if, you, again, you're here and you're saying, well, why are you telling us this? We're the Sunday night church. We're the Wednesday night. We're always here because I don't want you to leave. Amen. I don't want you to lose the importance of what you have because how many know you don't know what you have many times till you lose it? I promise you tonight there's people in this city that have been in this church. And listen, I'm not making us the only church. I'm talking about people that I know aren't going to church. If someone left and found another church, then praise God, as long as they're being fed and they're going faithfully to that church. But I know a lot of people have left, and they're not going to church. The devil tricked them, got them out, 
attacked them and left them for dead. And now, because of pride, because of shame, because of whatever, they won't come home. Don't know when the doors are open. And you look at their lives, and all of us in here know somebody like that tonight. We don't want you to be that next person. We want you to understand the value of church, the value of a family, the value of a system around you that works, and it's God's kingdom. Amen? So let me, let me throw out just a couple. I got a bunch, and I'll take this into Wednesday probably. Just let me give you two tonight. What's a benefit from coming to church? The presence of God. The presence of God. Now, you might say, hey, I have some pretty awesome worship services in my car, and so do I, but I've never had anything by myself be, be better than corporate worship. There is a dynamic that you cannot touch when a group of people of a church, whether it's this size or the home church size or smaller, it doesn't matter. When a group of people come together for a common purpose and begin to raise their hands and praise and worship God, there's a presence of God that is only down in that place because of the gathering together. And God says, I'm going to bless my people with my presence. Amen? How many times have you come in tired depressed, discouraged, down, and it didn't really matter what song we sang, but by the time we got to worship, you lifted your hands in sacrifice, and all the discouragement left. All this tiredness left. All the pain left, and you realized, God, I'm so thankful I have a church that I can come to and worship God. He promises it. Remember that verse I said on Wednesday in Matthew 18, 20, where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. He didn't say it when you have church by yourself. He said when two or more are gathered in my name. That means he wants two people at least together in his name gathering. And where they are, he'll be there. Amen? That's a promise. And there's just something so powerful about being around other people and, and being able to be yourself in church. Amen? So if you miss a church service, guess what? You miss that presence. Are you going to die? Maybe not. Probably not. But you never know what, and I've said this a lot of times, you never know what you might miss in one service. See, see, when you talk about kairos moments, and you talk about destiny, for some of you couples that are back again tonight, I believe you're here by destiny. I believe you're here not by coincidence. And we're praying for you. And we're praying for, for those of you that are here tonight and this morning. We started something Wednesday where we're praying and believing that some of the people that have kind of drifted out of church would come back home again. And they'd get back into church again. Because the Bible says we're living in the last days. The Bible says we're living in troubled times. And the Bible says in Hebrews 10 that we shouldn't forsake the assembly together. Especially, the Bible says, as the day grows closer to his return. So if he wrote that 2,000 years ago, how much how close are we now to the return of Jesus? Amen? We've been seeing all this stuff lately, church, about, about the, the big movement of Islam, the ISIS, and the threats, and it's a real one. We better wake up as a church and realize this, is, this isn't just a conspiracy theory anymore. They're moving, and they're coming we don't know what that, we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what level of persecution is going to happen on this earth before Jesus comes back. We don't know. 
But let me tell you something, and you think about this. When, when it begins to get bad, I read something today that somebody's making a statement that they believe ISIS will be in the States within two months. That's the news. I believe they're going to have a fight, especially if they come to Texas. They, don't, they might not mess with Texas first. But they're going to have a fight. Although our battle's not with flesh and blood, there's some that aren't saved. They're going to fight. Amen. There's some that are saved that are going to fight. But it's a real threat. And when they come and, that, and persecution begins to happen, and I'm not br trying to bring that on, it's going to happen. It's happening. When they come, it's going to be nice to have a church family Amen. to be together with, Amen. to bond together with, to strengthen together with, to pray together with, to seek shelter with when craziness begins to happen. It's something that God established on purpose. If you look back, and, I, and I'll close with this tonight. I'm not, I'm not going to talk anymore about those. I think back to the book of Acts again. You know what you ought to do maybe, maybe in the next couple weeks as we do this push? Go read the book of Acts again. Maybe the next couple weeks, wherever you're at in your devotional, wherever you're at in, in, in your daily word, why don't you just go to the book of Acts and read it again. Let's just all as a church just read it again. And let's just, let's just see how, how they moved and, and, and how when, when, when the persecution began to come, because nothing's new. It happened 2,000 years ago. The church grew through persecution. It sounds so weird to us in Western culture in 2014 to think that some violent thing is going, is going to come to our country of persecution, but it was there 2,000 years ago. It's what caused them to scatter all around the world and spread the gospel. So it's not, it's not anything new. But we, we need to see that in those times when Peter and James and John were getting arrested for preaching the gospel, you know what they'd do? They'd call a prayer meeting. That church would come together. And they'd pray, and, and they were praying that night when Paul and Silas began to worship, and the chains broke off their hands, and the, and the jail doors busted open, and they were praying another night when Peter showed up and knocked on the door. And when he knocked on the door, they opened it, and someone opened it and thought she saw a ghost and slammed the door on Peter because he was supposed to be in jail. And God opened up the jail doors. See, that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for a church. What would Peter and Paul and John ran, have ran to? Who would Paul have written to? Who would Paul have asked to pray for him while he's writing the Bible? 75% of his Christian life in prison. He had a church praying for him. Amen? Tonight you have something that is so real and so awesome that is the local church. And as we continue to go forward in this push, I want you to realize more than ever how great blessed we are to have a church to have a church family amen can I give you one more story alright I'll let the musicians begin to come as long as you don't tune me out I want to have probably over the next couple services a few testimonies I've told you a little bit about Paul and Brenda and Robert and Sheila and we've, we've had in the last few months um, these families come in the Pattersons and the Edsons and the Pools. Is that all the last names? And I, I know most of you know, have met them and known them. I want to have them testify because sometimes, like I said, we don't know what we have. We don't have to lose it to not know. We just don't know what we have. And I haven't mentioned them at all for four or five months they've been coming here. I haven't said anything because I obviously wanted to make sure they were going to stick. 
But they've stuck. And they're not going anywhere. You can ask them that. But they, they, they were raised as a church, in a church like this, a church like our home church, same spirit, same doctrine, just good church. And uh, Don's father was the pastor. And that's Becky's dad too. And he passed away two years ago. And when he passed away, they were left with no church. And a series of events happened and the church closed and they were left like orphans with nowhere to go. And they loved church. And then all of a sudden, they had no church. See, a lot of times we take for granted what we have because we haven't lost it. And I'm the kind of person, I don't need, I don't need to lose something to, lo to learn. I like to learn from other people. But you know what? Two years ago, they, we found, they were found with no church, no place to go. And I'm going to let them tell a little bit, maybe Wednesday and Sunday, because I've been waiting for this, and it's perfect timing for what we're leading into. They can tell better than me. But what they've told me is they searched for two years to try to find a church. Two years. Church to church, going different places, trying to find a place that could be their home. A place that they felt comfortable. A place that they knew was preaching the gospel. Sometimes, again, you know, it's like, it's like parents. You don't know how good your parents are until you go meet some other parents. You think you got bad parents, and you go somewhere else, you go, oh, God, thank you for my parents. It's like that with church, I think. You don't realize how good your church is. And I'm not saying that because I'm the pastor. If I wasn't the pastor, I would love this church because it's you guys. But sometimes you, you, you don't realize how good your church is until you lose it or until you go and you try some other ones. And you realize it's not that easy to find a church that's real, find a church that preaches the gospel, find a church that holds on to the things that are important, that has church on Sunday night, that has church on Wednesday night, and on and on and on. But they found it after two years. And they've been coming for four or five months now. And let me tell you something, for those again that don't know, the closest person in their clan to our church is Ponder. That's the closest. Some of them live in Ponder. Some of them live in East Fort Worth. And the crazy, crazy folks, the pools, live in Mansfield. Does anybody know where Mansfield is? It's an hour and 15 minutes from here. And they come to every service. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every event there is, every event there is, amen, they're in it. Why? Because they are thankful that they found a home. And we're thankful they found a home. Amen. So I'll let, you, I'll let them testify a little bit, but church, we, got a, we have a good church. We, we, we went with Pastor Chris and Kalandra. They said, your people are so amazing. I hear that all the time. At the home church, when people come through, every time pastors come through, they're blown away by our people. And that's you. That's our church. The church is nothing without people. Amen? And so just know tonight as we continue to push forward that we've got something going that's, that's good and that a lot of people would like to have. Amen? And let's make it better. Every one of you individually make this church what it is. And you give it its character. And you give it its personality. And you make it special.
And if you're here visiting and you're new, get to know us. Get to see what we're about. And then you can start telling other people, come on, come to this church. Because our whole goal is to get Denton saved. Amen. So that people can know there's hope in Jesus tonight.